Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. We're recapping the 2020 NFL Draft on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Roto-Viz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Roto-Viz, joined by the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Mr. Matthew Friedman. Last episode, we talked about the running backs. We're going to be talking about the really exciting wide receiver class. Six players going in the first round. I think this was something that a lot of people expected. Uh, were you surprised to see the way that things played out in round one with the wide receivers, Matt? Uh, I mean, not really. You know, we all kind of expected the the top three to uh, to be the top three. Uh, maybe you know, a little bit surprising that Jalen Rager went to the Eagles uh, instead of uh, Justin Jefferson. But, uh, you know, Rager was in uh, the, the first round conversation. Justin Jefferson going right after that to the Vikings. That makes sense. Um, Brandon Ayuk had increasingly been mocked in the first round. Um, you know, like that made sense. Like all six of those guys, there there was no surprise out of any of them. Yep. Yeah, I um I think that it played out in a way that that made sense. Um some really interesting spots, which we will talk about. A uh, couple reminders first. Um, if you listen to Rotoviz overtime with Sean Siegel and Colin Kelly, one of the absolute best fantasy football podcasts out there, then you know that they are nearing their 100th episode of the show. If you do not, then you need to start listening. And to mark the occasion, the Rotoviz Radio Podcast Network is giving away 10 one-month subscriptions to rotoviz.com. If you are already a subscriber, we will add on an additional month. If not, we will get you signed up for a one-month subscription. All you have to do is rate or review the podcast on your podcast app or retweet one of the upcoming shows from the channel's Twitter feed. More retweets equals more entries. Definitely take advantage of that. Also, if you want to get 10% off of a one-year subscription to Rotoviz, head to the site. Go to the subscribe page, select a one-year subscription, and use the discount code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We're going to have so much coverage of the incoming rookie class, so many tools that you need to use to dominate in 2020. Definitely take advantage of that. Again, the discount code for 10% off is 2020RVRADIO. And we also want to take a minute for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Ben Online, has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. 
all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So the Oakland, or excuse me, the Las, the Las Vegas Raiders, this team's love of speed lives on, Matt, with the team selecting the 427 speedster Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama with the 12th pick in the NFL draft. How do you feel about this fit? And did this move the needle for you on Ruggs? Uh, I think the the fit is fine. Um, you know, like the Raiders were one of the teams, uh, you know, projected with a pretty strong chance of of taking rugs. Um, I think he's even though he's a you know quote unquote field stretcher, I think he's going to be the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic because normally that's not the case. So I think that gives him some uh, you know kind of Marquise Brown potential for uh for year one and we just kind of have to see what you know Marquise Brown develops into in year two but uh I I do like rugs I think he's more of a you know obviously like boom bust volatile type of player so I'd say for uh best ball best ball dynasty and DFS that's kind of more the place where you'd want to invest probably not uh like standard redraft where you have to start him each week but uh long term I'm very intrigued by him yeah I think what I would really like to see the Raiders do with him is not only use him downfield, just going deep. I'd like to see them get him involved with some different screws, you know, screens, sweeps, have him in motion before the play starts because he is really dynamic when he gets the ball. And you saw lots of times at Alabama where you just give him a little bit of space on a short throw. He's able to make some moves, make people miss and ends up picking up an extra like four or five yards via his, you know, athleticism and agility. I don't think it's the best landing spot, but um, given the fact that they're going out with this 12th pick, you have to think that there should be plans to use him. Um, doesn't really profile as a number one wide receiver, but like you said, it certainly is possible. So, um, you know, not the highest player for me, but overall, this wasn't a landing spot that um, is like a red flag to me. Um, moving along though, Jerry Judy, who I know you viewed as the best wide receiver in the class goes to the Broncos at 15. Did this disappoint you going into a receiving core where there's certainly opportunity, but playing with a young quarterback like Drew Locke in an offense that is not one of the best in the league? I still, um, I still think he's my wide receiver. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, there can be some debate in terms of, you know, where you take him, how many running backs you take before you start going to wide receivers. But, uh, I still like him. Uh, I think he's going to have some softer matchups because defenses will be focused on Cortland Sutton. Uh, and then I'd also say like, uh, KJ Hamler, Mm -hmm. uh, I think will get some playing time. Uh, it's a question as to like who will be playing in the slot, but you know, Judy, what I like about him is he can play inside. He can play outside. He's a smooth route runner. And I think that will transition more directly to the NFL. And, um, you know, with the uh, absence of uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who was traded in the middle of the season, there are certainly targets that are open there for someone to take. Uh, and I do think that Judy is more or less a one-for-one replacement of Emmanuel Sanders. So whatever targets you would assume uh, that a you know normal, like young Emmanuel Sanders would get, I think you just shift all of that over to Judy. Yeah, I mean, I think you're easily looking at, or I don't know if I should say easily, but very realistically looking at a rookie receiver here who can get to 20, 21% of the targets. 
um, you know, which is something you really like to see for a player in his first season. Now, comparing Sutton and Judy, um, I think that Judy is the better receiver. I'm assuming that you do as well. Uh, the interesting thing, though, in this equation is we have a pretty solid rookie season from Sutton. Um, so at this point in time, who do you value higher in Dynasty? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think they're honestly about even. Okay. See, the interesting um, thing here is Anthony Amico actually ran a poll on Twitter today, which was the question I posed, you know, getting at who has more value in Dynasty or who would you rather own, Sudden or Judy? And Sudden actually won by a margin of a little bit more than uh, 20%. Yeah, I mean Sutton, like he he at least has done it before, yep. and he, he did it in pretty negative circumstances last year. You know, had eleven hundred yards. Um, you know, that's like a very uh, babytron type of second season that he had, and so like it wouldn't be surprising to see Cortland Sutton, you know, progress to maybe twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards, and maybe you know nine to twelve touchdowns. Like I, I think he's a a real like an actual wide receiver one. Got it. Okay, fair enough. Um, CD Lamb, I actually think that this is a good landing spot for him in the Cowboys. I like the fact that um, defenses are going to have to account for Mario Cooper, a competent passer. Um, obviously you have Ezekiel Elliott there that defenses need to to plan for. There's also Michael Gallup. I think that this creates a situation for him which is conducive to him progressing i also think he's an extremely talented wide receiver so i actually really like this landing spot with you being a cowboys fan uh does what i just said ring true or do you think that this actually is not as good of a landing spot for him as we might have liked to have seen no this is great okay. uh absolutely love it and um like i don't know a cowboys fan who wasn't thrilled with this pick um you know i you look at what uh the falcons did you know, right before uh, at pick 16, you know, they could have taken Lamb. Instead, they took a cornerback who, you know, I think is easily replaceable by any of the five other cornerbacks after him. You know, instead, they could have taken Lamb, but they chose not to. You know, they went with need first, and I think that uh, hurts their team. Um, you know, and so now they're start starting uh, Russell Gage or something like as their slot receiver heading into the season instead of, you know, like uh, Amari Cooper, uh, sorry, not Amari Cooper, uh, Lamb, C.D. Lamb as the guy on the outside with Ridley in the slot. Mm -hmm. You know, like they they had the opportunity to make their team better and they decided not to do it. And the Cowboys, you know, they weren't expecting Lamb to be there. Um, you know, so they, you know, kind of on the fly adjusted and took the best player available, even though it's not a need, but you know, like you can never really have too many awesome wide receivers. So I'm, I'm really happy about this. And there are 166 targets available because Randall Cobb is gone and Jason Witten is gone. Like there are targets there to be had. So I'm actually not too worried about like, is lamb going to have the right targets? I think he's going to get enough targets in year one and he's going to have really soft matchups. So I, I love it. Yeah, me too. So like I was kind of leaning towards CeeDee Lamb over Jerry Judy uh, heading into the draft. Um, I'm still feeling really optimistic about both of these guys, but this this landing spot for Lamb has me really excited. Um, after Lamb, we see the next pick being Jalen Rager to the Philadelphia Eagles, who a lot of people thought might go with Justin Jefferson. It was pretty apparent that they were going to go with a receiver after this pick was made, a team that is in need of a receiver, it feels like there should be a pretty good opportunity for 
Rager. Some people have him moving up to the top of their rookie wide receiver rankings. I don't agree with that. Uh, I will admit, though, it is a good landing spot. How successful can he be uh, in Philadelphia? I don't know. I'm I'm probably too low on mm-hmm. him. But um, I know it's funny. The guy I was comping him to before the draft was Jeremy Macklin. And I said, like, with less production and draft capital. And uh, actually, like, he ends up having almost exactly the same draft capital. But, um, you know, super productive at a young age. So that's good. Um, he's athletic enough. Now, I don't think he's, like, quite the athlete that people think he is. But he's athletic enough. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to place in context the fact that uh, he was just horribly unproductive as a junior. You know, a lot of that had to do with the offense, with the quarterback play, and maybe it doesn't matter, especially because he broke out at such a young age and he is still young. So I do think he belongs in the first round, but I'm not uh, I'm not going to put him above a lot of the other wide receivers. Yeah, I think what it came down to for me was, yeah, like this is a landing spot that is good. It seems like he can make an immediate impact, but how much better of a landing spot is this than, for example, Lambs? And if you just go with the profile of these two players, uh, I just don't see much of a compelling reason that you would move Rager ahead of Lamb. Um, And, you know, this is a talented class. There's other wide receivers that have gone to teams that have a need. So that just to me um, is not an avenue that I want to go down. But let's compare him to Justin Jefferson, who goes at pick 22 to the Minnesota Vikings, a team looking to replace the vacated production and targets of uh, Diggs, who is now in Buffalo. Who gets the better landing spot here? And I view Jefferson as the better prospect. So I think you could, in comparing the two, the interesting thing is you're going to be worried about the passing volume that the Vikings have. But I do think that you can have a conversation about who actually is in the better landing spot. Uh, I don't know. I think it's probably Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I think he has a, a very clear built-in role right away. He's a one-for-one replacement of Stefan Diggs. They're actually pretty similar athletically. Uh, and I think even stylistically in terms of how they play, you know, uh, they both can play inside and outside. The question is how many targets is that job actually going to be worth? Diggs had only 94 last year. Um, I imagine that Jefferson will approach that and maybe even surpass that. Like just that offense might throw the ball more in general this year than it did last year. Um, I think, you know, we have Adam Thielen uh, entering his age 30 season. You know, I think within a year or two, it's going to be a situation where Jefferson is, I think at worst, you know, like a Stefan Diggs type co number one with Adam Thielen. So I can see really clearly like the path to opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I liked this spot for him. Um, I feel good about Jefferson. So, I mean, I'd be pretty excited to be able to get my hands on Jefferson. And I think that I do slate him in above Jalen Rager. Uh, Continuing on in the first round after Justin Jefferson, we see Brandon Ayuk to the San Francisco 49ers at pick 25. I was never as high on him as a lot of people were. Uh, San Francisco, they do have some talented wide receivers there, some young wide receivers. They also have George Kittle. As far as a landing spot goes, did you view this as a bad place to land for uh, Ayuk? Yeah, I actually don't think it's that bad. Um, 
I think he fits well with the type of offense that they run. You know, he's like a good after-the-catch receiver. Uh, I think he's going to have opportunities. The 49ers needed a wide receiver after Emmanuel Sanders left, so I think he slots in really well there. And, um, you know, I just like his all-around skill set. So kind of regardless of situation, he's someone uh, I wouldn't mind being invested in. And, I, you know, I don't think the landing spot is actually that bad. Got it. Um, in comparison to George Kittle and Debo Samuel, and I know that we've seen these guys in the NFL and we have not seen uh, the incoming rookie. Do you think that there's a possibility that they are both better than him? Or is he, you know, like, am I not viewing him as a strong enough prospect? Because I think that it's highly possible, um, you know, Debo Samuel is better. Yeah, I mean, I think okay. that's very possible. I think they're basically going to be like co-number ones. Yep. Um, I think he, I mean, I, th I feel like he is just by his style of play, more of an ensemble contributor yep. than a true number one. Uh, and he's, you know, going to a team where that's going to be his role. But I think he has, you know, the upside for, you know, a string of thousand yard seasons. He feels very Michael Gallup-esque mm. to me. Um, and, you know, like, I think that's fine near the end of round one. Okay. All right. So, um, and then I do want to pop back here um, and talk about... Um, did we get through all the round one guys? Yeah, yep. we did. Um, quickly, I just want to get, what was your thoughts when uh, Jordan Love went to the Packers and not a wide receiver? A uh, horrible decision. And uh, I'm going to enjoy watching that world burn. Yes. In I mean, Bay. absolutely perplexing. Um, but T Higgins, the first wide receiver at the end, or excuse me, to start off round two, goes to the Bengals to play with Joe Burrow. Um, Higgins, we did not get to see at the combine, which I think may have lowered his stock in some people's mind because they didn't get to see those numbers from the combine. What do you think of the fit here? Playing with John Ross, playing with Tyler Boyd and the rookie passer. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we have to see just how that rookie year workload shakes out. Um, I'm assuming that AJ Green is going to play, but he hasn't signed his franchise tag yep. yet, so we can't know for sure. Um, but obviously, Tyler Boyd uh, is you know kind of locked in with his long-term extension. Uh, John Ross is a free agent uh, after this year, assuming the team doesn't um, you know like pick up his option. Uh, Auden Tate is a free agent, restricted free agent after this year, so it's kind of hard to know where Higgins slots in for year one. But I think he's the number one receiver in year two. Uh, and so that's really where I'm focused on a little bit more. But, he, you know, even if he's not getting a lot of workload, I think he is probably still a starter in year one. Uh, so I'm very interested in him. Yep. Um, after Higgins, we see at pick 34, the Colts going with Michael Pittman out of USC, an older prospect, but one that we both felt pretty strongly about. Um I think this was a pretty good outcome for him, right? Going at pick 34, maybe higher than some people would have thought. Did this move him up your board? Uh, you know, I don't know, actually, if it moved him up the board. I think based on how some things shook out, he's actually a little bit farther down mm -hmm. my board than he was. But uh, I still really like him. And yeah, I think great landing spot. Um, T.Y. Hilton is, you know, 31 or will be 31 this year. And uh, he's a free agent next year. So I think Pittman slots in as the very clear number two this year and then future number one for all the seasons after that. Yeah, I've seen some people saying that the Pittman um, draft pick 
basically removes any value that Paris Campbell had. Do you agree with that? Um, I don't know about that because, you know, Paris Campbell, I don't think he was ever going to be the number one, right. but I still think he could be a long-term number two. And if, um, you know, if Pittman is actually really good, then that could potentially open some things up for, you know, for the other players on that offense. So I, I don't think it destroys any value that, uh, Campbell had, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously not a good thing for him because he's not going to be the guy who's getting all those future targets. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm more or less in, in agreement with you there. So Jacksonville at pick 42 goes LaVisca Chenault. Really interesting to, to figure out what to do here. Um, I feel like I don't know. I, I know what to do. Right, what do you what do I mean? I think that I have to say that I like it overall and um, you know, I feel pretty good about it. I really have no idea where you're going with this though. Uh, you draft him. Okay. That's, that's what you No, But okay. So here's the thing. I think in a normal year that wasn't stacked with a ton of wide receiver talent, he would be a round one pick. Yep. Um, you know, Ben Gretsch has said that he thinks, uh, LaVisca Chenault should be in the first round. I think this year it's a little bit harder to get him there just because we had six first round wide receivers and seven second round wide receivers. Like some of those guys just mathematically have to fall into the second round. And, uh, for me, like Chenault is one of those guys, but I still really love him. He's a priority in the second round. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that as well. Um, so they have chart there. Um, who do you see and, and perhaps not even in this year, but like on a long-term basis, is Chenault the, the number one wide, wide receiver for the Jags? I don't know. I, I think he might be, um, I, I have a lot of respect for shark and what he did last year, like much, much better than I thought he would be in the NFL. But Chenault is kind of a little bit, I mean, obviously he didn't have the production, but, you know, kind of a little Devontae Adams-esque mm-hmm. in his playing style. And he's like Devontae Adams plus 15 pounds, but like with the same speed, like that's a little bit scary. So if he, you know, becomes a little bit better of a route runner, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. Yeah, like, oh gosh, I think this is a, a really exciting player here. Um, like you said, you know, the, the mixture of the size and the speed is something that is hard not to look at. And also, you know, he's one of those receivers that I think can be pretty powerful, do some really just fun things, more so from a watching perspective, but you also really like it from a fantasy perspective. Um, you've been a D.D. Westbrook supporter, or supporter, I said that kind of yeah. oddly. Uh, did Was this like a crushing blow to his value? Um, I mean, I think his value is already pretty depressed and, um, you know, he's a free agent next year. Uh, exactly the same situation with Chris Conley. I think both of them are going to be gone. And then that just means a whole bunch of targets are there for LaVisca Chenault. Yep. Uh, Chase Claypool. A lot of people are really excited to see him land with big Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I know that you really liked Chase Claypool, you know, ridiculous athletic profile, not a tremendous amount of production at Notre Dame, but a lot of people feel like this is a really good landing spot for him. How excited are you about him now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I like him a lot. Um, It's hard to know what his playing time situation is going to be because the Steelers have drafted a wide receiver on day two, four years in a row now. Uh, You know, Smith-Schuster, 
James Washington, Deontay Johnson last year, and now Claypool. And so you really just don't know how this playing time situation is going to shake out. Uh, and Smith Schuster is actually a free agent after this season. And like, I imagine that he will get an extension from the Steelers, but we really just don't know. But I, I think one way or another, whether it's next year or you know two years, somehow Claypool becomes a starter. And uh, I'm pretty optimistic about what he can do once that happens. Um, you know, if you look at some of the more advanced metrics, he stacks up pretty well against a number of the other wide receivers in the class, just in terms of, you know, uh, expected points added per target, uh, his positive play rate versus man uh, and versus zone. He was equally effective and highly effective against both. Uh, and I think that's a good sign. Um he might be fairly limited just in terms of how you use him, sort of like a DK Metcalf last year. But even like within that limitation, uh, he could be incredibly dominant as just like a, a guy who uh, really produces down the field. So uh, I like him. Nice. Um, Van Jefferson. I think a lot of people were surprised no, let's to, just skip. to skip. No. Yep. Yes. Okay. And then um, Denzel Mims. I think was the only other receiver taken around two ghosts of the jets. Uh, what do we do with this pick? Like, how do we, how do we feel about this? Mims a bit of a polarizing player to begin with. And I'm not really sure what we should think of this jets landing spot. Yeah, it's tough because they do have with the departure of Robbie Anderson, the targets to allocate, um, even with the addition of Brashad Perryman. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, cause there are questions about Sam Darnold, there are questions about Adam Gase. And then, as you mentioned, you know, just kind of outside of the circumstances, uh, there are questions about Mims as a prospect. Um, I think he has a pretty clear path to playing time in year one. So I'm a little more optimistic on him uh, relative to, you know, Chenault uh, or Claypool, because um, I, I think Mims might just see a little more action right away. But I think he has just as much of a probability of busting as the other guys. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say that uh, I don't think this is a good landing spot for Mims in that it doesn't do anything to make me think that his chances of success in the NFL have been raised. So just by that fact, like a, a, for right. a player with questions, I don't think that this is a good landing spot. I think he's less likely to succeed. Yeah, I, I think I would agree yeah. with that. So we've talked about the highly drafted running backs. We've talked about the highly drafted wide receivers. As a class, given the number of players that we see get drafted in these high leverage rounds, how good of a class overall does the 2020 class look like it's shaping up to be? I mean, I think it's really good at wide receiver. Um but not not as deep actually at the position as I think we thought it mm -hmm. would be. Um, strong, I think, in the top six, top seven, like whatever it is for running backs. Um, and it's a question as to whether you include Antonio Gibson in that. Like I think he's really intriguing. Um, but no depth at the running back position. You know, like. There were only three guys chosen at the position in rounds five through seven. And like those guys normally don't hit anyway. But, you know, like sometimes there are some really intriguing guys who go in that that range. And this year is just like nothing. Like there's just no depth at the running back position. Um, tight end is actually a little more intriguing than I thought it would be. 
kind of like localized on a few players, yep. but uh, still a kind of thin class. Got it. So if you're considering round one picks this year in dynasty drafts, do you think that um, those picks are substantially more valuable than they are in an average year? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I think the running backs at the top. So I, I think you do go with running backs near the yep. top. Um, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to get running backs later on. So I think you go with running backs near the top. Uh, I think they're about as good as the running backs you'd see in any other year. And then I think you have uh, a great amount of depth at the wide receiver position. So the guys you would get, get at receiver later in the first round, they're probably better than the typical receivers you would get there. And then in the second round, there's way more value at wide receiver than there normally is. So, uh, you know, obviously that's good. And then I think there's even some of that value at wide receiver that spills into the third round. And then I think there's, uh, you know, maybe some quarterbacks that you could get in the third round uh, or, you know, maybe some tight end value that slides to the third round. So uh, I think it's, if you play it right, I think it's a really interesting class. For sure. The final question that I want to pose to you, um, this is, and this is a little bit outside of the things that we've talked about, but what would you have thought of this scenario for the Chiefs? Instead, they go with, they address a defensive need in round one, and then they basically just wait till the end of the draft, grab Eno Benjamin and pair him with Damian Williams. How much better would that have been than going with Hilaire in round one? Uh, I don't know. Uh, cause you know, Benjamin is intriguing yep. in terms of like what you do with him. Cause he probably should have been like a third or fourth round right. pick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that would have, it would have made everyone, I think, super optimistic about Damian Williams. I think that's for <laughs> sure. But, but Benjamin maybe would have had some, some value, but you know, like how would that have been really much different than Darwin Thompson last right. year? Yeah. That's a good, good retort. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's really like a, a retort. It's just like, I, I mean, like Darwin Thompson is still there on the roster. So I, I think there would just be questions about like, where does, you know, Benjamin fit in? Right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I think if they had gone with a late round guy, that just would have made everyone much more optimistic about Damian Williams. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we have talked about the players drafted in the first couple of rounds. Uh, next week, we'll dig down into the later rounds but uh, as always thanks for listening to the shows thank thank you to bet online for sponsoring the show um we will see you next week uh please rate review and subscribe you can reach us at rotovisradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave caben ff and at matt at the oracle uh again go ahead and give us those reviews those five star ratings really help out and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it. <laughs>